So eventually I want to talk about religion. So that's like the bulk of this, to talk about religion and to talk about Catholicism a little bit. But before we get to that, I just, I want to, I want to focus in on something here from our first reading and then actually from our Alleluia verse uh, before the gospel. So the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is saying, For what great nation is there that has gods so close to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? Just to consider that, I think. Right, like God, I know I, I, know I probably talk about this a lot, but I just think it, it can't, you can't say it too much, right? Like God is infinitely superior to us. If you, don't, if you don't think that, I'd maybe invite you to reconsider. God is infinitely superior to us, perfect in every way, totally satisfied by himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No need of us. And yet Moses recognizes, like, who else has this? But that whenever we call upon God, he, is, he draws near to us for some reason. And even more so as Christians, right? So Christianity is all about what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ. That is, Jesus Christ who is God. Right? So God comes to us in the person of Jesus. God comes to us in the Eucharist when we come to Mass. God comes to live within us when we're baptized, baptized, right? We say the Father willed to give us birth by the word of truth, that we may be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, of everything that God made, and he made a lot. His favorite creature is you. Like, just to consider that. Who else has this? Like, it's mind-blowing if you really give yourself over to considering it. That God draws near to us, to me, to you. He draws near, imperfect as you are, imperfect as I am. And he draws near. Just an incredible gift. Incredible. And Moses talks about how God gives his ordinances and his decrees, that is, his laws. He gives them for the purpose of drawing us into his life, right? Like, you and I get to share in this extraordinary gift that is the life of God, that is a life that is far superior to the life that you and I normally, ordinary, ordinarily live. He invites us into that. Like, what, what did we do to earn this? Nothing, actually. If anything, you and I work constantly to, like, unearn it through our sinful actions and our, our worldly tendencies. And yet God is so good, and he calls us to himself. Brothers and sisters, we can't go a day without considering this. 
Like, what an incredible gift. And this is, this I think, leads into religion. A lot of times, people, myself included, maybe yourself included, people hear the word religion, and we tend to think it's all about rules that are meant to limit us. We tend to think it's all about rules that, well, you know, like, the church is just making me do this thing, or it won't let me do this thing because it doesn't really want me to be happy. Or God gives us laws because he's just trying to limit my freedom. That's not it at all. God gives us laws because he knows that you and I, if we're left to our own desires, our own devices, we're just going to go down a path that leads to destruction and misery. And if you don't believe that, I guess I would just invite you to reconsider and look at the world. He gives us his laws and decrees because his laws and decrees are the things that lead to life. And not just like life for the next 60, 40, 30, maybe some of us, 10 years, but life for the next forever years. Right? How many times? How many times in our world it's becoming more and more frequent we hear people say things like, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Or I don't, I, don't need, I don't need a religion to have a good relationship with the Lord. Maybe some of us are even here right now. Some of us maybe who are spouses drug us to church this morning, or our parents did that. Or maybe we're just actually in the habit of doing it and we don't actually know why we come. If you're one of those people, or if you know some of those people maybe who aren't here this morning, I guess, again, I would invite you, and maybe you can invite them, to reconsider. Because the Bible actually promotes religion. We heard this in our second reading, right? The Bible promotes religion. That is, the Bible reveals that God wants us to be religious. Right, we can talk about what religion is, but before we get to that point, we have to recognize that the Bible promotes this as the way of life. James says this at the end of our second reading, which is at the end of the first chapter of St. James, where he says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God and, fa and the Father is this. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this to care for orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So he's talking about something that's like an ideal to strive for, right? So he's, he's sort of taking it for granted that someone who follows Jesus, who wants to live their life for God, is going to strive for that religion which is pure and undefiled before God. Right? He takes it for granted that his audience is striving to live religion. And that is like religion, not just a set of rules, but to live it as a way of life, the way that leads to the life. And then for the rest of his letter, he goes on to talk more about that, about what it means to be Christian. We're going to actually hear from the letter of St. James this weekend and then all every weekend in September. So I'd actually encourage you to go and, and check it out, read it, spend some time with it. It'll probably take you 20, 25 minutes to read through the whole letter. Piece of cake. Less time than a Netflix episode. So the word religion. Okay, so let's, let's get into this real quick. Spend a few minutes on religion, uh, and then uh, a couple minutes on what it means to be Catholic. So 
religion. So the word that he uses here, I don't know Greek, but I listen to people who know Greek, right? And so then I can just regurgitate what they tell me. So the word religion here, the, the Greek word is threskeia. Threskeia, it means acts of worship. So that is, what is religion? Religion at its foundation, it points to acts of worship. And when we say worship, we mean public worship. So for us, uh, for us to be Christian is to worship God in public. All right, so can you hear that? To be Christian is to be religious, which is to worship God in public. That doesn't mean we need to worship God in public every day, but throughout history, Christians have always worshiped God in public on Sunday, the Lord's Day. Right, so to be Christian, you and I must worship God in public, at least on his day, which is Sunday. For us, we allow for Saturday evenings as well. Okay, so that's, a, but then there's two parts to it, right? So religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father, that is, it's focused on God, not on me, it's focused on God, is this, to care for orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. That is, its foundation is focused on worship, but then after that, there's kind of two parts that that worship is meant to lead into the rest of our lives. One is to try to promote justice as much as possible, right? To promote justice, to look out for the little guy, we could say. To look out for those who don't have a voice for themselves or to look out for those who can't defend themselves from the mighty and the, the powerful, right? Widows and orphans at this time of, of James were among the weakest of the people around. They had no one who could really stand up for them. And so for him, he's saying for us to be Christian, for us to be religious, out of our worship is meant to flow a sense of how can I promote justice in the world? Right, and so sometimes we do stuff like this naturally as a community, right? Such as today we have the second collection for the people in Haiti who suffered terribly from this earthquake, right? So as a community we do this, but then also individually maybe we're invited by the Lord or maybe challenged by him to look for ways to promote justice in our world. How can I, how can you look out for the little guy? Right, so our worship is meant to fuel us into that. But then there's the second part, right? To keep oneself unstained by the world. That is, when I come to worship God, my worship is meant to flow into the rest of my life, to strive to live a life of virtue where I live a life that looks different from the life of someone who's not Christian, right? So maybe we can, I mean, we can get into practicals, but it's probably best not to. Like, you come up with your own practicals. But to think of this, does your life, does my life look any different from the life of someone who's not here today? Or do we all kind of look the same? Now, I know there are, there are plenty of people in this church who are striving for virtue and who are really going for it, spending time in prayer, spending time purifying your hearts, going to confession regularly, avoiding serious sin, avoiding causing scandal in the world. But I also know that there are people coming to our churches on Sundays who are not living that way. 
I know there are plenty of people living in our world who, between Sundays, look just like everybody else. And I think what the Lord wants to challenge us to, invite us to, is to reconsider and to ask that question, how can I go about working with God's grace that flows from my worship, working with God's grace, how can I go about striving to keep myself unstained from the world? Looking differently, being a life that is set apart for God's purposes. Brothers and sisters, how do you know God's purposes if you're not reading the Bible, which are his words? And if you're not praying, coming to him regularly saying, Lord, teach me and show me what it is you have for me to do for your kingdom in the world. All right, so that is, that is religion. Religion begins with a foundation of public worship. From there, it goes into promoting justice as much as I can and striving to live a life of virtue and holiness, a life that looks different. Now, here's the thing. So about us being Catholic, Catholic Christians, right? So this is where things can get kind of tricky because when, we, when it comes to like the practicals of living this out day to day, we have a tendency to emphasize one or the other. Right, and we see this, like look at the Catholic Church at large and you see that there are kind of like two different camps, which in some ways, in a lot of ways is really heartbreaking, right? But you have some places or some people whose it's like they make it their sole objective to promote social justice, which is great, except they tend to forget or ignore altogether the need for us to strive for virtue and holiness. That is to live a life that looks differently. And what's more, a lot of times people who are really big into social justice, like that's their sole thing, they tend to also forget about worshiping God as well as we can. And that's not to say that people on the other end of the spectrum are any better. In fact, there are other people on the other end of the spectrum where all they talk about is living virtuously and living a life that's holy and worshiping God with, you know, like making mass the perfect thing, which is again, really good, but they tend to also forget about promoting social justice, right? And this is is like the human tendency is like, we like to set our eyes on one thing and we fixate fixate on it to the point of like forgetting about other important things. For us as Catholics, Catholics are so often, we, we refer to ourselves as both and kind of people. That is, we are both into social justice and into right worship of God and living virtuously. Both and. You can't really have one without the other. This is why you hear about certain politicians being spoken about, because maybe they're promoting one thing without striving to live for the other. Right? This is why it's so important for us, especially if we're in the public eye, right? So we might even say, this is why it's so important for me as a priest, for Father Lickus as your pastor, or any of you who might be in the public eye, it's so important for us to live both and. That is to live both for social justice and for personal and communal holiness. 
Because if I'm neglecting one or the other, then I'm promoting a false gospel. That is a message that runs contrary to what God wants for us. And if I'm promoting a message that runs contrary to what God wants for me and for you, then that means I'm promoting a life that strays from the laws of God, which means it strays from the life of God. Right? Can you see this? So for us as Catholic Christians, we need to strive. And this is why, brothers and sisters, right? So this is why we have this great gift that when we come to our public worship, we receive the incredible gift of the body and blood of Jesus. So that when we go out, it's not just us, you know, trying to do the best we can, but it's actually God working and living in us and through us so that you and I can be men and women of integrity. Living the full gospel according to how God wants us to live. So what can we do? Maybe just a couple of questions for us to consider. One, am I actually proud to be a religious person? Sometimes in our world it can be almost like a shameful thing, like, I'm Catholic, sorry. It's like, no, like, I'm Catholic. And I'm a biblical man. I'm a biblical woman. Am I proud to be religious? Two, is it possible that I'm neglecting one or the other aspects of religion? Is it possible that I'm neglecting social justice or neglecting living a life of virtue and holiness, trying to worship God rightly? And if I am, am I willing to change? Am I willing to become a fully integrated Christian? Living in a both and kind of world where I'm not only a hearer, although I am a hearer of the word. I'm not only a hearer, but a hearer and a doer of the word of God.